welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and I'm here with my very good friend, Tom. How have you been, Tom? Good, sir. I mean, had a nice little long break there from both work. Did a little driving around. Uh, got to get, see the family. Nice. Yeah, have a good over the Easter holiday. Yeah, yep. right? made it back to Cincinnati. You know what's really funny? The best thing for me on East, any Easter holiday is usually a discount candy the day after Easter. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I honestly, I could not find any this time. I actually found better deals on Easter candy like the week before Easter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I found bunches of bags of like half price jelly beans and things like that on sale the week before that I, I had. And then Easter weekend came I'm like, oh, I'll pick up some more here, here and there. No, nothing. Gone. You know what I learned during the Easter break? That far more businesses observe Easter than I would have thought. Really? Yes. I would think all of them observe Easter. That's kind of one of those, everyone takes that holiday. Right, except you wouldn't have thought like every single fast food place between Baltimore, oh. Baltimore and uh, Cincinnati would decide... People don't need food today. <laughs> oh, interesting. Now, the fast food, that surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, my company actually gives me a Good Friday off, which I always forget uh, until, like, the week of, and someone mentions something about, oh, we only have a four-day week. I'm like, what? Oh. <laughs> well, the beauty part in uh, working for a Catholic institution that also managed to pair spring break with the Easter break is we got the bonus day, so we took April 1st through April 5th off. So Nice. Yeah, so you got a nice break. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, thank you, Loyola. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, so I had a nice three-day weekend for the Easter weekend because we got Good Friday off. And then the following weekend, I took a long weekend just because I was getting my second vaccination shot, and I didn't know how I was going to react to that, so I thought I'd take some time off. And uh, was so I, I've actually had a couple of nice long weekend some nice breaks and this week is really actually kind of already sucking because it's a full week <laughs> i don't have a long weekend coming yeah, up Yeah, that's always rough by the way uh which superpower did you get after your uh your second vaccination <laughs> that's what everyone's saying man yeah increased introspection <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I received a lack of tolerance of introspection. <laughs> mm, yeah, I was gonna say my I, I've I've lost the ability to suffer fools gladly. Um. <laughs> so all it did is augment what you already have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went ahead and paid for uh, the HBO Max. 
so I could watch Godzilla vs. Kong. I know, I saw that. I'll hang on to it for a, do it for the month, maybe two, because there's a few things now I want to see. I'm going to wait and watch the new Mortal Kombat when it comes out on the end of April. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that's coming. And, uh, and thanks to you mentioning that it was there, I actually did start watching Babylon 5. Yeah. Well, they tout the HD. There's some that I don't think HD really rescued the, uh, the look all that much, but it's supposed to be in HD. Well, I did notice that the uh, the gathering, you know, the the premiere uh, TV movie, whatever it was, is actually really nice because it's like widescreen and oh, everything. Yeah. Uh, but then you get into the actual seasons, and they're back to just standard, you know, squares. But it still looks pretty good. Uh, this early nineteen nineties, I guess CGI is is still what it right, is. Right? Yeah. But no, I mean, it's a it's a little rough for that, but I mean. You gotta admire the, the the story arc and the the ability to intertwine what happened uh, in early seasons to what happens later. Yeah, no, that's definitely a show that you watch for the story more than you do the effects. the The effects are actually, um, you know, the the space the, the ships and the space scenes and everything actually look better than what they do with some of the green screen <laughs> um, when they're you know with the actors on sets true uh and and you can't help but think what it would look like if they modernized it a little bit like uh i think of uh i i really find myself enjoying when you watch um the upgraded versions of star trek the original series where they took out Mm -hmm. they redid some of the particularly the exterior effects so you get a little better ship yeah i'm actually a big fan of those i actually really enjoy the remastered and I don't know that Babylon 5 has a significant enough following to ever do that. But can you imagine if they took the the story and, I, I mean, the stuff, the sets and all that is not bad. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you took all the exterior and put a little more spit and polish on it, how cool that might be. <laughs> that would be very cool. But, yes, I'm afraid the... Just they would never be able to recoup the expense no. <laughs> to do something like that for Babylon no, 5. No, I'm afraid that doesn't quite have that drive like Star Trek does. Yeah. But it was, uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, it was really fun watching that, that premiere. And of course, they really pushed everything in that premiere. And then when they went to series, they softened up a lot when it came to like the makeup and stuff on some of the aliens. Um, Especially Delane the Minbari yeah. was a very she had a almost a rather unattractive look in the in that premiere and they're like oh no we have to make her like a love interest <laughs> we're gonna have to soften this up a little bit <laughs> yeah but you got again this is where I like the fact that uh, they took what they what they made changes and latched onto it later so. The notion that, it, well, yeah, they needed to soften up Delenn and then make her more human altogether through her little transformation. So she had hair and right. looked, looked more like a regular woman. Um, and then still use that as the transition for the Sinclair character later as a yin and yang sort of thing. Right. Still, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm just kind of plugging through the first season. I don't know how far I'll get before I have to finally give up the HBO Max, but it's been fun. Uh, it's been a fun rewatch. And yes, what makes it is 
Jakar and uh, Londo. Oh, absolutely. Those two they could just rename it the Jakar and Londo show. And the, those two actors are just phenomenal in that. That's also another thing, watching the show. I sit there, I can't help but do it. You sit and watch the opening credits. You see the names onto the screen. 50% of the main actors in that first season have passed away. Oh, I know. It's so sad. I know, because you... <laughs> Well, you don't think of it as being that old, and no. Well, they weren't either. Right. the The oldest was sixty five. No, they all died before sixty five. Yeah, no, it's rough. No, it's, it's it's just a real shame. You can't help but sit and you watch you watch the names come up in the credits and dead, <laughs> alive, dead, <laughs> dead, dead, alive. <laughs> we watch shows differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did it more for humor because my wife happened to be sitting there when the credits were rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and she probably thinks, we watch shows differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I obviously, we're not going to get deep into this, but I have to ask, uh, uh, I saw you write a little about it, but uh, thoughts on uh, Godzilla versus Kong? I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. I, it was a it was a good, you know, addition to the Godzilla franchise. Uh, it reminded me a lot of like some of the um, some of the '90s Godzilla films. It fit right into their you know real. Yeah, well. and and that's what I found. I enjoyed a whole lot. In fact, actually, and I looked a little a few things up after watching it too. But there were some I recognized right away. Uh, there are nice little Easter eggs in the movie where um, they take elements from previous iterations of Godzilla and King Kong, and they actually incorporate that. Um, there, mm. there, there's a sequence uh, when Kong and Godzilla are fighting, and he's shoving some he's shoving something down Godzilla's throat, and that's straight oh, yeah. out of the original Godzilla versus Kong, where Kong yep. is throwing, is choking him with a tree that he's pulled out of the mm-hmm. ground. So, I even found myself openly laughing when when I saw that part because I'm like, I, I've seen that before. That's awesome. I think I think the film was a little too long. They they really felt like they had to put in all the actors from the previous film. Right. So uh, they threw in um, uh, Millie. Bobby Brown or whatever, whatever yeah, her name Miley is. Miley Bobby Brown. Miley Bobby Brown. So they had to throw her character in, so they had to give her character something to do, and so they bogged the film down for 30 minutes with her and her friend and, and the janitor, you know, sneaking into the, the corporation. It's like, wow, why why is this here? You didn't need this at all. You could have easily still had this little subplot about the evil uh, business guy and him doing something with the remains of King Ghidra and all that could have easily just done that. You didn't have to have this little, oh, well, the entryway will be her and her, this podcast guy. And yeah, no, you didn't need this. It just slows the film down and makes it two hours when it only needs to be an hour and a half. Pretty much. But, you know, they insist on humans in monster movies. And I don't know why. Yeah, yeah I have no idea. I mean, every Toho film we've ever watched, you 
pretty much just want to fast forward through all the speaking roles and just get to the monsters. <laughs> Let's right. be real. I mean, even in Japan, I'm certain that that's what they want to do. They just want to fast forward, get to the monsters. <laughs> do you think uh, Legendary will do any more Kong or Godzilla films or giant monster films after this? Without spoiling anything, this definitely feels like a wrap-up. Like, we've, we've told it, well... You could say a Godzilla trilogy, but then it's actually four movies in order to get Kong in there. I, I don't I don't know. I'd love to see them try, uh, but I'm afraid it would also go the way of Toho, where after a while they just, ah, let's slap together whatever rubber monster until... Right. It, it, yeah, you get a... You get diminishing returns as the franchise goes yeah, on. Do we end up with Legendary Films' version of Space Godzilla? <laughs> right. Yeah. Do we really need a pair of dark crystals growing out of the back of a Godzilla and call that another monster? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think this is probably the end. As much as I love the idea of the the Middle Earth and there's all these creatures and who knows what else could be. Uh, could be in there and it's an entire universe to explore but I just I don't think you could do it and I don't know what the rights with as far as uh, Godzilla goes Toho may actually say no you're done and all a matter of how much uh, they made out of the deal yeah (laughs) that's true but no, I, I and again, no, no spoilers. But uh, just trying to, I felt like they could have done more with with the Ghidorah thing, or at least maybe not incorporated it in this one if they wanted to do more. Mm. Well, see, that's where I was thinking too. Like this is going to be this is going to be the last, and they knew it. They had this great idea that they would want to do for another film, but they knew they wouldn't get the chance. Yeah. So they threw it into this one. Yeah, it did feel like they were trying to at least take every element out of every previous film and stitch it into this. I mean, even even the end of uh, King of Monsters, when it's essentially revealed that there are a ton of Titans, well, we kind of blew through that idea early in this movie. Oh, yeah, by the time you get through the opening credits. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so scratch seeing any of those cool monsters that they right. showed you just in glimpse at the end of the first one. We're screw that. <laughs> yep. So, for that, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I definitely think there'll be another Godzilla film in the future, whether it's legendary or Toho remains to be seen, but Godzilla is definitely not dead. No, no. Godzilla's not going anywhere, but what form he takes later... uh, It may take a break. Maybe it'll be a decade, but we will see another Godzilla film. Godzilla is the Batman of the the monster (laughs) universe. He will always be back. Unlike Batman, they don't have to keep doing origin stories. (laughs) Everyone knows Godzilla. (laughs) He just is... You would think the same of Batman, but they can't seem to break away from it. <laughs> I mean, children are born knowing who the hell Batman is. But that's all I've been doing late, lately. Uh, I hear you've got some news you wanted to mention. Uh, yes, no, my like um, my son just had his 12th birthday, and it was interestingly timed around um, 
a thing that Hasbro did. On Friday, they had their Fan Fest. They made a big deal about some product launches, and they're doing it, finding new ways to do it online. I don't know if this is a thing that they've always done, but uh, with a young man that has um, way too many things already, he was struggling to tell his, par- his grandparents what to get him, and then he found out about this thing. So he gave them some ideas based on what was released. But the thing that I really want to talk about, which is near and dear to my heart, is they released a new Optimus Prime. Oh, I have seen this floating around the web. Yes, how could you miss it? There is a $700 combined effort between the company Robeson that has been making robot toys for quite some time and Hasbro to create a very sophisticated 5,000-component robot that stands 19 inches tall, Optimus Prime, complete with Peter Cullen doing the voice. He is voice-activated. He runs from an application on your phone. He will transform himself. He will walk. He will talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And at the moment, I have six months to decide whether or not I return him. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. You actually ordered this thing. I couldn't not. I mean, he's been my character for, like, forever. I usually buy whatever iteration of uh, the toy. I have a whole collection. So how do you not get the one? The one. Uh, very nice. Well, you'll have to shoot a video of it and uh, post it onto the Facebook group for everyone oh, to see. Oh, absolutely. You, but uh, have them up and out of the box. Don't, don't get super excited. Uh, according to the, this was just pre-order, so it, release dates not till October. So we mm. have some time, and I have some to decide. Time <laughs> to decide if that's going to render me penniless to own this thing. <laughs> What I have here is a series of very evil friends, though, because I I kept texting around to a group of friends here locally going, somebody talk me out of doing this. (laughs) And not only did they not talk me out of it, but they kept saying, no, you should. When can I come over and play? (laughs) No, they said you should buy two. (laughs) Keep one in the box. Well, there's the keep one in the box model, and there's the one where they might have been on to something. I placed my pre-order early on Sunday. It had been unlocked for everybody to pre-order starting Friday evening. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the end of Sunday night, they were gone. Ooh, wow. So they might have been on to something about getting two and then selling one to pay for both. (laughs) Right. So maybe I didn't get Uh in on that, but... Hey, I could maybe play with mine for a month and then make my money back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You could always just sell it again when you after it sits around and you go, "What the hell am I doing with this?" <laughs> and somebody's gonna go, "Wow, I really missed the boat and gonna want it." So <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, no, I was super excited about it. I'm like, uh, it was on my mind from the second that I saw it, and literally everybody I know who knows me well enough, was just texting me, have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, oh, I have seen some videos of it, and it, it, it is 
yeah, I don't blame you. It is very cool. It is impressive as all hell. It is, and uh, but but equally so, it is impressive. But this is a a at least within your reach toy. Imagine what is still possible. Mm-hmm. It could be only a matter of another decade before Optimus is pulling up and actually driving me to work. <laughs> full full size, full size Optimus Absolutely. Prime. Absolutely. So everyone, I'm going to start needing to collect donations now so that I can. Because <laughs> if it's seven hundred dollars for the nineteen inch one, ah, for the nineteen foot one, that's going to have to add a few more zeros. Yeah, I'm I think. Yeah. Probably going to need more like seven hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. Minimum. Oh, that inexpensive. Okay. Yes. Well, you yeah. know they they want they want to get you with the first taste. <laughs> So everyone uh, head over to our T Public store and start buying some merch. We need the help. There are robots to be purchased. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't have any uh, anything like that going on in my life. Uh, yeah, there will there is no giant uh, strange purchases of toys for me, unfortunately. Yeah, well, there's also no purchase of a house for me anytime soon because the market's <laughs> insane. So I might as well have a little fun. Well, there you go. See, you, you have this thing, and maybe a year from now, you'll be able to make turn it into a down payment. <laughs> Distinct possibility. <laughs> well, then, I guess we will take a break. We'll hear a promo for another podcast. And when we come back, we have another in our series, our MST3K Unrift, where we look at 1975's Mitchell. find yourself sitting on the couch late at night wondering what should i watch aimlessly flipping through streaming services pondering as you let your cursor settle over a title but you just can't bring yourself to commit and push play well guess what we do that and we made a podcast about it because everybody makes podcasts but we decided to make ours about movies i'm Kay. i'm e And together we start a journey through cinema, where we watch a movie, sit down, discuss it, debate it, test each other's knowledge of it, and then give our final seal of approval or disapproval. Yeah. So join us as we try to search the infinite web, attempting to answer the age-old question, what should we watch? So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and drop us a comment. Let us know what you think, and we'll have some interactive portions where you can join the fun. So, pop some popcorn, pop some wine, and join us, won't you? Tune in to What Should We Watch with K&E. Coming at you live, brother. It's not live. Coming at you Pre-recorded and edited. Pre-recorded, edited, and delivered, brother. Bye. Mitchell, people don't like you. What kind of a policeman are you anyway? Brute force with a badge. His name is Mitchell. Joe Don Baker is Mitchell. Sorry, the beer got a little excited. Did it change? 
almost bust me. You're a policeman, and that's grass. I don't think Benton likes you. Glad you're trouble. Not so many people like you. You gotta cultivate people. And you gotta be nice to them. God, for one moment I forgot you were a cop. Mitchell, I want action. decision about you. Watch out for falling rocks. Out! On your knees. Face it, Ben. Face it, Ben. On your knees. Get your hand on top of your head. Freeze! That's very impressive. Did you get a kick out of this kind of thing? Joe Don Baker is Mitchell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. I think this we're was, all to the same <laughs> spot on this. This was the focus of the October 23rd, 1993 experiment of Mystery Science Theater 3000. They actually looked at the edited for television version of the film. Uh, this episode marks the end of Joel Hodson's time on the show and introduces Mike Nelson. Fun little bit of trivia here. According to the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Amazing Colossal Episode Guide, the cast had heard a rumor that Joe Don Baker was angry with the MST3K treatment and threatened bodily harm if he ever met any of them. (laughs) This didn't stop them from giving another of his movies, Final Justice, an even worse bashing. bashing. Uh, They believed anything he said was done so jokingly, but when Michael Nelson discovered that he was once staying in the same hotel as Baker, he decided to, it was best to try and avoid bump, bumping into him. <laughs> <laughs> the film Mitchell stars Joe Don Baker, as we mentioned, as Mitchell, the brute force with a badge, according to the posters. Linda Evans is Greta the prostitute. John Saxon as bad guy uh, Deanie. And Martin Balsam as bad guy Cummings. And we also have an appearance of Merlin Olson as Bad Guy Cummings' lousy butler. Mitchell is an honest but crass cop. He is determined to see that Deanie see justice for the killing of a burger that he looks to have gotten away with by staging it as self-defense. He's reassigned to tail a man suspected of smuggling heroin into the country. He decides to take down both Deanie and Cummings, which gets easier when it's discovered that they are both working for the same kingpin. Deanie tries to soften Mitchell with a prostitute, and a love scene that can only be enjoyed by someone like Tarantino ensues. Beer is consumed, plots are tangled, Mitchell gets pissed at a kid, Hoyt Axton sings, bad guys die. That's my, my, my Mitchell. And thank you all for coming. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Pretty much sums it up. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, this thing's a mess. (laughs) It's a bit of a mess. It's a bit confused. I have no idea how any of these guys were. They all worked for somebody, but that somebody worked for somebody else. And there's heroin. And I have no idea what the actual crime was in any of this stupid movie. <laughs> I 
thank you for that. I was afraid I had somehow missed something, but no, clearly not. Um, it sounds like the writers missed something. A little bit, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's just a little overly complicated and confusing. I can't bury the lead. It it needs the commentary. <laughs> this is not really one. You, I say this. Okay, here's the funny thing, yeah. though. I didn't hate this movie. I feel like someone was trying to make a Rockford Files. And obviously missed. Uh, Joe Don Baker is no James Garner. But this is very much, it's a 70s private eye cop show. So, I mean, it is very much like a kind of down and dirty Rockford Files. So there's lots of elements in this that I kind of liked. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I completely enjoyed the movie. <laughs> well, to, to literally use a line out of the movie, Mitchell, a lot of people don't like you. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's Mitchell. I mean, he's just not a likable character, and this is your lead. I'm, right. I'm going to really sum this up for you. My, my mother, who does not get into any of this at all, uh, she knows that you and I have hold this podcast. She at, at least knows enough to ask, well, what kind of movie are you talking about tonight? Um, mm-hmm. And I mentioned Mitchell, and she goes, I have no idea what that is. And I'm not surprised, but I go, do you know who Joe Don Baker is? And she goes, oh. If my mother, who doesn't know anything about movies for the most part, will groan at the sound of Joe Don Baker, it's bad. Oh, that might be a little unfair. I don't dislike Joe Don Baker. I don't I don't like Mitchell. Right. But I don't dislike Joe Don Baker. Let's put it this way. Uh, I don't li- dislike Joe Don Baker when he's in a role that is suitable to him. The lead is not it. I was going to say, I liked his appearances on some of the, the latter Bond films. Oh, absolutely. But he was comic relief. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and he fits for that. I think what was interesting, uh, especially now that I've seen this, because this is, we we watched the full, this was the theatrical release version. First off, I don't know how you convince anybody to spend money to go to the theater to watch this. Um, There's nothing (laughs) in it that says, I need to see this. It's this actually smacks more of made for TV than anything else. But as you're watching it and we're watching the theatrical cut and not Mystery Science Theater. What I find funny as you're watching it is you can't tell if all of it is either supposed to be serious cop drama or some of it's supposed to be funny. There's not... The music, it doesn't match what's going on. Uh, it's just... It is. It's all over the map, and I, I don't know how to feel or what about it. I think that's the problem, is there's lots of attempts... It's, it's someone throwing lots of darts at the board and none of them are hitting. So you've got what's supposed to be kind of humor, but it doesn't land. No. You've got 
action that doesn't land. Uh, the, the chase scene, as someone pointed out online, is a chase scene with turn signals. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that was one of the bigger points that they... <laughs> That that they made during Mystery Science Theater, I can't help but watch that and go listen to the part where they go hot merging action. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, yeah, because I mean they're moving at like what thirty five miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, the, it, there's moments that are supposed to be. God, I guess someone thought they were sexy, and they definitely don't land between Mitchell and Linda Evans, there's nothing that their entire, that sex scene is like one of the most disturbing moments in cinema that I've well, ever and seen. And they had this weird, and it, they did it more than once with them. They keep having this weird foot cuddling thing. And that's just, hence, hence my comment about a love scene that only Tarantino would right, love. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to see this. <laughs> um, but no, to the, that point, aside from the awkward love scene, the whole relationship is awkward. I get the notion that uh, that Deanie is... Tr- I, actually, I don't get that. Oh, I don't get how a mobbed-up crime lord guy that gets his kicks murdering people because he can thinks the way to get the cop off of his back is to send him a free hooker trying to soften him up because everyone assumes that he's on the take but he's not he's an honest cop not that that ever entirely gets through because um, while he might not be on the take that man murders with impunity (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell killed so many people in this movie yeah, yeah, he does. He actually takes people out, and while they were bad people, and in the end, they, you know, you could claim they deserved it. The way he does it is still. I'm sorry, that's murder. <laughs> well, yeah. What what I you have to wait till about halfway through the film to realize is, as you watch the opening credits, and they've got Joe Don Baker in some sort of rage behind the word Mitchell as the credits run, you see that he's angry and then he's got something over his head and and that he's about to do something horrible with it. And then halfway through the movie, you find out he is beating a man to death with a rock. (laughs) There is a lot of this that reminds me of like the Rockford files, but Jim Rockford never been he might have sucker punched a few people sure. but he's not going to bash their head in with a rock unless they were definitely trying to kill him first or chase after him in their doom buggy at, at at breakneck speed till the other one blows up i love that the whole plan of dini to kill mitchell completely hinged on the fact that his car would get stuck in the sand and I always love how they keep driving these 1970s big machines off-road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the Lincoln Continental there, whatever, plowing through the dirt roads and the, the sandy beaches. And, and while we're on the topic of the vehicles, 
who on the police force keeps reissuing cars to Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes through three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you're not you're not suspending this dude just for <laughs> the sheer amount of vehicles or the fact that he's calling in to tell people that he's leaving his gun behind in the event so that they know he's unarmed when he might get shot. I think there's a lot of elements in this that if you softened Mitchell up a little bit, you could actually see where this could be a series. Oh, yeah. uh, the relationship with him, with uh, Greta, the prostitute, you could see that blossoming over a few episodes. You know, yes, they like each other, but she's a prostitute and he's a cop. Um, and he busts her because she keeps showing up with weed, but she still likes him. I, you could see that kind of being a fun relationship in a television series right. or, frankly, a better movie. <laughs> you could do it in a movie. It just would have to be a better right. one. Uh, again, it's just one of those those things that they threw and it, it doesn't land. The Linda Evans thing... Uh we started off talking about okay yeah it's a it's a little odd that this is how the guy is going to go but the fact that she is supposedly falling for him during all of this and regardless of Joe Don Baker, Linda Evans, this movie they never bothered to tell that story. I right. how did that come up just seeing a couple of really awkward love scenes isn't enough to get that there. Yeah, because frankly, when uh, Mitchell throws out the line about Greta, um, you don't need, you wouldn't need to pair. She'd lie in my bed for free. Your immediate thought is you're so delusional. <laughs> yeah, you can't help but love the uh, whole the first time he's turning her in at the precinct, and, and after she's been walked off, uh, the the. The guy, the one, the one uh, cop at the uh, the desk sergeant, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the on duty sergeant just asks him, "You you were with her?" <laughs> like, great, <laughs> this is classy. <laughs> yeah, class does not come into this film at any point whatsoever. Oh, hey, and can we bring up uh, the fact that, uh, like you mentioned, the burglar is murdered by Dini at the beginning because he can. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's some terminology th- been thrown around here that's uh, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, but I'm even just getting into the story element. We never bother to find out why he might have been there burgling him in the first place. I think he was literally just a burglar. Sure. I don't think it was anything more than that. Sure, but... <laughs> but, but, I mean, we got nothing. <laughs> It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact that it was clear that Dini just was super excited to see that he there was somebody in his house he could kill legally. Yeah, I'm not sure why that. I think someone just decided they really wanted John Saxon in the movie. I guess. Yeah. And and that's they 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 wrote the role to fit John Saxon, and that's that's it because you could drop that entire side of the story and make the whole heroin smuggling kingpin thing a hell of a lot less complicated. Well, yeah, because that was what was a little disturbing right out of the gate is so we introduced Saxon killing a burglar, staging it when, uh, honestly, he could have just shot the guy 
and just had the police come and then have no nothing suspected of him. There was a burglar in his house that he shot. He could have gotten away with mm-hmm. that easily. But he did some weird staging. But then after you go through all the trouble to get Mitchell's ire up because he thinks something's up, not that we have any notion that Mitchell is any good at detective work, uh, but then he's assigned to this other thing. The first part could have just not happened at all, and it would have been fine. This movie opens up like the start of a Columbo episode. (laughs) Yep. You really expect Peter Falk to come walking in the door <laughs> and figuring it all out. It's it is a Peter Falk. It's a Columbo mystery, right? Without the panache of Peter Falk, because <laughs> I mean Mitchell comes in. Oh, one, it's his whole entrance into the scene is even awkward because it's kind of like he he looks like why is he in the cop car? He and he he looks like he's drunk. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he's half passed out. Like they picked him up after a bender at a bar or something. Right, and he it's almost clear he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't care. And then all of a sudden he does. <laughs> right. It, it, the motivation was just completely out of whack. Out of all the uh, the MST3K unrifts that we've watched, this so far is the least enjoyable <laughs> unrift that we've seen. I'll admit, even when we picked this one... Um, I kind of felt that tinge of this is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was just, it was one of the ones that was suggested, you know, on, on Twitter, I think it sure. was, that when I, I put out the question. And it is kind of a, one of the landmark MSTs. So it is kind of the ones that you have to talk about, I no, think. No, absolutely. And, and and as you said, there there's still some stuff in there. You could see where there was some potential, but... This mix of actors and storytelling was not quite there. So we can leave the unrift behind, and we can talk a little bit about the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version. Okay. It's honestly, it's the landmark. It's like a landmark episode because of the changing of the guard with between Joel going to Mike. It's not the best episode, though. It's it's okay. Like I've mentioned. Um, if I have to think about the quips that they do during the movie, there's, I can think of a few. Like I mentioned, the 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 one during the uh, the uh, the chase scene where they talk about the hot merging action. This is what I'll remember when I think of the movie Mitchell, and I will think of it. Mm. Oh wait, I lost him. Oh nope, there he is. Mitchell. Even his name says, "Is that a beer?" <laughs> You know, they're easy to follow when they use their turn signal. Man, why don't they just tie their bumpers together? <laughs> you know, it's not an official chase scene without the walk at your walk Yeah. There it is. Hot merging action. Oh, goodness, they merged successfully. Ooh. My heart was in my throat. Mitchell. Jeez, these guys couldn't shake a trolley. <laughs> This makes driving Miss Daisy look like bullet. Next week on Mitch, the Cloverleaf. And today, three others of Vibrant Company, combining innovation, effective risk management, and marketing. 3M. Oh boy, they're traveling at speeds of up to 25 miles per hour. I've seen faster funeral processions. 
the only really exciting thing is that Vanishing Point is being filmed on the other oh. side of the canyon. <laughs> oh, this is nice. They're using the light rock for the chase scene rather than the grunge sound. I That's like the light rock. Oh, finally, the chase scene's pace car. Yes, the Lincoln Continental, perfect for off-road excitement. I can't shake him, boss. Uh, here, I'll lightly touch the brake and then accelerate. <laughs> Get out of our chase scene. The vicious Mustang calls the weak ones from the herd. Hey, you Mitchell, can I not have your autograph? Well, so passive you're gonna. Come on. Excuse me, may I cut in? May I have this chase? <laughs> uh, do you have any facial expressions? <laughs> this is fun. But other than that, I don't know of any major quips. Everything about this is the setup for Mike and the uh, the leaving of uh, Joel. So it's mm -hmm. all the non-movie stuff that makes this episode important. Yeah, yeah, it's all the interstitial stuff. You know, you've got uh, Gypsy doing her howl, reading the lips of... Uh, <laughs> Frank and Dr. Forrester as they're, as they're talking about uh, Mike and she thinks they're talking about Joel right. and that they're going to have to get rid of him. There's that. Um, uh, one, and this is where you get a little hope because, I mean, this was kind of a big deal. I mean, first off, this is a, this is a show born of public access by mm -hmm. the team that started the public access so the fact that they're even on the air is an amazing feat and here after a few seasons the lead is about to go away the 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 creator of the show is leaving while people might be familiar with mike from all of the bit roles that he played throughout the ser series and if you pay any attention you can see he's the head writer he's been the head writer pretty much all along so he's been involved, but you don't know if he's got it to be there. And then the one scene that really kind of goes, okay, I get what, where they're going with this and that it could be fun is Gypsy needs help figuring out how to initiate the launch of the pod. And Mike is there and he's, he's cracked open the manual and he need he needs the keys to to, to override, <laughs> and he just talks to uh, Frank off screen and goes, "Hey Frank, can I get your keys?" And he's like, "All right, sure." <laughs> and he does it. And then later, when uh, when Frank comes back on screen, he goes, "Oh hey, why did you need your uh, need my keys?" And I'm like, "Oh, you left your lights on in the parking lot." Oh, thanks. I didn't oh, drive. Wait, I don't have a car. <laughs> Well then, why did you give me my key? Your keys? Yeah, why? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't bother going out there to check your lights. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that that was when that little that little play made me feel good about the fact that Mike was coming in. So, right. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. Honest, for me personally, I think this is the start of what I can consider kind of like the golden age of MST. Yeah. I actually like what transpires after this more than I liked what 
transpired before this. Not saying that there aren't good Joel episodes, but I think we've talked about if we had to like list our five favorite episodes, I don't know if any Joels would make it in that top five. Yeah, that's that's pretty tight. I mean, it's tough. Joel is an oddball. It's part of his act. That's that's how he right. does it. But he comes off all the way around as kind of an oddball. And Mike is your everyman. Um, mm-hmm. He can switch between just being the flunky to being like the hero guy. Um, and he ranges nicely in between. So you mean he's a more, more relatable, more approachable uh, person and character. Well, and I think, too, it gives them sort of um, the ability to do some things that maybe they wouldn't have done while Joel was around. It, it takes me back to, like, the next generation, Star Trek The Next Generation, mm-hmm. the early seasons of that. That show, I think, got a lot better the less and less Gene Roddenberry had to do with right. it. As he backed away as creator and all the other you – know, was it Rick Berman? Yeah. Um, Uh, started taking over they were able to do stories that Roddenberry wouldn't have let them do and so that show was able to finally kind of get out from under the shadow of its creator and I think MST had maybe not to the same extent but I think it has some of the same uh, same elements here yeah no uh, I agree Um, not to mention uh, Joel's Joel created a good thing, just like Roddenberry created a good thing. But in this case, Mike was heavily involved from the beginning anyways, From at once he came on board as a head writer. So when he also had to act it out, what he was writing, along with mm-hmm. all the others that are involved, it, it had a nicer flow to it. Because he, it was already natural to him. This is he's sitting right. in there, creating everything that ha, that you're about to do on screen. Joel might be reading back lines, whereas Mike is reading back what he's written. Yeah, a lot of stuff kind of flows a little bit more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they feel more comfortable together, and, and actually, uh, that because of the way they set up the show Joel is the bots creator so Joel is mm-hmm. dad um, right and, and that's true so now that Mike is with the bots it's, it put him puts them all a little bit more on an even playing field it even actually puts the bots maybe a notch higher yes because you know because Mike's the new guy Mike's the new guy and then that was some of the fun that would happen too is the bots had no trouble <laughs> picking on Mike. <laughs> <laughs> did it on more than yeah. one occasion and it was always fun to watch and so yeah they did they sat as three equals in the theater as opposed to um subservient to joel and we may be way over analyzing that <laughs> oh but yeah possibly back when you were watching the show originally maybe you're looking at it with some trepidation that joel's leaving is he really gone is that we really doing this uh, in retrospect and watching it it, it kind of if you're rewatching the series or whatever you see it and kind of go okay now we can have some fun <laughs> well more fun, more fun. yeah no because the, uh, the the Mike days on Comedy Central were some of the funniest and the most natural it just 
it felt good. Uh, you were excited to watch each one. You were less worried about what the movie was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that actually the quality of films actually increased a little bit, or at least the ability... The I don't know if quality is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you knew... Uh, you didn't. It, it almost didn't matter which film it was. You knew it was going to at least be fun. You could, you're going to get something out of this. Like we've talked about on previous versions, some of the Joel stuff, especially the early seasons, uh, while they were getting their feet under them... You'd sit and watch this horrible movie in silence with them for a while, and mm-hmm. it was it, it dragged in spots. And oh yeah, absolutely. And there was more dynamic when it was uh, Mike. Very true, because that's something that over the course, if you go, if you I can dig up on YouTube or whatever and watch any of the KTMA days, you watch almost the entire film sometimes without anybody saying a th- word. Right. <laughs> You're like, why am I? Why am I here? (laughs) Why are you here? (laughs) In in fact, you could you could almost liken uh, the entire run, and I'm including the new Mystery Science Theater, to on the scale of like uh, a decibel meter. (laughs) The Mm. earliest days that that needle's not getting off the mark. By the time you get into Mike's era, it's sitting in that night early Mike's era. Um, you're sitting in that sweet spot, and then when mm-hmm. you get into the the later years, and especially when you get into the Netflix stuff, the the meters off the chart because they won't shut up. They won't talk right. here. They won't shut up there. But in the middle, it's perfect. You know, I don't know if you saw this. There's like a um I don't know if it's kind of like a Kickstarter campaign or something to bring back more MST. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know. Like I said, I never got around to seeing the second season of the Netflix, so I'm not sure how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't made my way. Th- I haven't made my way through the first season because the first few that I, I watched was it was just like I said, they just wouldn't. I don't think I finished. Yeah, I, I started, but I don't think I finished. Kevin Murphy will forever be my Tom Servo. I literally won't watch the early season, the first season of Mystery Science Theater because it's not Kevin Murphy. Trace was always Crow, but when Bill Corbett came in, it it was a close enough match. It was clear, and they they clearly marked it even in the credits that I'm different. Um, mm-hmm. But the voice the behavior was still very much in Crow. When you get to the Netflix series, uh, they all bets were off. So it was kind of like you'd have been better off getting two different robots because now you're not, they're not the same. They're not the same. So it it took me out of it right away. And then you throw on the fact that they're, they're not behaving as the personalities that you learned and they're not joking the way that they did. It's like a, it's too different a show at this point. Well, I think we started talking about this because we didn't want to talk about Mitchell anymore. So <laughs> we kind of did. <laughs> so maybe that's a good sign uh, that we start bringing this one to a close. Uh, we will be going back to a made-for-TV movie uh, in our next episode. We have picked a made-for-TV movie that we'll be watching. Uh, We're going to look at what... Oh, I already forgot what year it was. Was it 1973? 1973. 
Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Have you seen this one? I have not. That's part of why I'm excited about it. Yeah, nor have I. So that should be a fun little watch. It is currently available to rent on YouTube, which is how we're going to watch it. It's only like a few bucks. Uh, I think we can swallow a few bucks for this one. We're doing it for you guys. Uh, so, yeah, any thoughts on that, uh, please drop us a line. Uh, all the contact information is at the top of the show. Uh, if you sat and watched Mitchell, it is available on Amazon Prime, if you so desire. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> We're with you in spirit. But, yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode. So, yeah, Tom, thanks for sitting through this one. We we Like you said, we kind of knew this one might be a little rough, but... Yeah, potential, but... There's no way we were going to go down Mystery Science Theater on Rift and not touch this one. So look at it this yeah, way. Yeah. It's it's in the bag. We got it done. <laughs> we got it done. That's right. And likely, well, we'll find out, I guess, but likely we won't have anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yes, that is going to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye. See ya. Ma'am, 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 Mitchell. What would your mama say? What's the ribs? If she ever knew that you were crawling out and carrying on that way, cracking in heads and jumping in and out of beds and hanging around the criminal scene. Think you are some kind of a star like the guys on the movie screen.